The Havrusa, featuring Rabbi Avraham Kibalevich and Rabbi Kalman Warch, directed by Jeff Osias. From Chicago, this is The Havrusa. I'm Rabbi Avraham Kibalevich. And I'm Rabbi Kalman Warch. And behind us here in the studio is our director, Jeff Osias. And tonight we're going to be discussing a topic that confronts all religious people, and that is how they can function normally in a workplace that is sometimes hostile to their beliefs. There are many challenges that come up in the workplace, both religiously and um, socially. I think, with, I think we can break it down and analyze this between Jews working in a Gentile environment or working in a Jewish environment. There are specific problems working in a Gentile environment. Um, simply put, the most common problem that really comes up with Jews working in a Gentile environment is the discrimination that comes up. I mean, for 2,000 years, we've been discriminated against, and um, working and spending most of one's day in such an environment can cause a lot of hostility. Well, America is the place that Jews have prospered the most in the world. And there are a lot of good laws on the books that prohibit this type of discrimination on the basis of religion. Unfortunately, the laws aren't written in a way that specifically limit discrimination against religious practice. That is, that an employer realizes he's going to have a heavy lawsuit on his hands if he doesn't want to hire a Jew because he's a Jew. But he doesn't need to work that hard to make a case that hiring a religious Jew that has specific religious needs, like taking off on the Sabbath or not being present on certain weeks or, or other days. issues that we will discuss that come up that would um, somewhat limit his ability to do his full job. And the employer uh, might be might have a very easy case to make that he can't afford to hire this religious Jew. And this is all during the hiring process. Of course, during the work process, there's always the issue of and being looked down upon by the non-Jews, and just dealing with that in general. Well, obviously, when we, when, if we are dealing with people of a religious mentality, we know that the outside world, and we've talked about it here on this program, isn't in confluence with that. The workplace is, mirrors the way the outside world is. A religious man or woman working in such an environment will sometimes find themselves having to stand around the water cooler uh, and discuss topics that they find totally inappropriate, will have to engage in the type of familial behavior with co-workers that runs totally counter to their upbringing and training. Let's start by being a bit more specific. I think basically we could sum it up as the major issues being, of course, the not being able to work on um, Shabbos and not being able to work on the holidays. As we know that um, at the beginning of the 20th century, the Jews, as they came into America, some of them had to give up Shabbos. Some of them kept Shabbos except for the work part. And some of them had to get a new job every week because they would lose their job for not showing up on Shabbos. Well, this has been documented very clearly that Jews had to struggle in order to keep Shabbat, to keep Shabbos. I think now, however, as Jews have become more religious and they've been portraying that religious behavior stronger. We have cases that were reported. Uh, there was a hotel chain in Virginia that refused to hire a woman uh, because she wore a tichel, she wore a headscarf uh, for religious reasons. We know, of course, many situations where people were fired because they grew a beard uh, for religious reasons. Uh, it's it's not just because you're Jewish and you're taking off the right. Sabbath. And it's the be- wearing of the yarmulke 
on one's head might uh, seem out of place for some people. And it, 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 and these things have not stopped. It's As much as we think this is something which takes us back to the pre-civil rights era, the cases, hundreds and hundreds of cases are brought every year of civil discrimination, which I think, which gets us to what we're talking about, I think many Jews, therefore religious Jews, are afraid to go into the workforce because they've heard these stories. And this is without mentioning really the other issues that are there, which is the inappropriate dress that the non-Jews might wear. And um, as you said before, the gatherings or even um, office parties. Of course. As much as you can try to explain the holiday party in the metropolitan areas instead of the Christmas party, still the fact that this Jewish employee, the fact that Goldstein didn't come to the holiday party will sometimes spell the end of his career working for that office. So that is some of the problems of working in the non in, in the Gentile environment. I have to tell you that I, I heard Rav Aaron Twersky, who was a very solid speaker on the subject, say that when he, even for himself, when he would go out into the workforce, he felt that he needed to shield himself dearly to sort of protect himself and remember the tefillin that he had had on that morning and constantly think of that in order to protect him to go through the day. And I've heard many people in the communities that I've lived in tell me pretty much the same thing. One would think that working for Jewish people would therefore solve all those problems, but we know, of course, that a religious Jew working in a place that is run by non-religious Jews, um, issues that are even stronger than that come up. I mean, the most common would be Yichud, but of course... I think we should explain common to our listeners what Yichud is. Yichud, of course, is what, what disallows a Jewish man and a Jewish woman to be alone together in a room. Uh, That's what it is simply. At what time of day, at what type of situation, is there a window to the outside? The laws of Yichud are very complicated, and I don't think we're ready to discuss them in full here. But we know that working among Jews is actually, paradoxically, a greater problem of Yichud than working among non-Jews. And going back to what we said before about um, Yichud, which, um, as you explained earlier, was the um, being alone of a man and a woman, um, the most common situations that those occur is, of course, when one stays to work late and there is a secretary or another person that needs to stay late so that they can do the work together. And since everyone is gone, the building is empty, the doors might even be locked. They might not even have to be in the same room. It still might be a problem of Yichud. Uh, and, of course, Yichud is not prudery. It isn't suspecting the worst. Right. Uh, I think people. we need to point that out to all our listeners. Some people might think that um, Yichud basically is, don't be alone because you don't know what will happen. But that's not true because I am in a situation where nothing can happen. That's a misunderstanding in the in the law of Yichud. The law of Yichud does not say do not be alone because something might happen. There are a thousand situations, and in some of the situations, something might occur. So even if in your situation nothing will occur, but the Rabbanim and Chazal have set guidelines and made rules where this 
is the line so that no one will pass it, no one will come up into that situation sort of where what it we call low, We call low plugra We're not going to make any distinctions. We're not going to say because the yichud is occurring between a 92-year-old grandmother and uh, a, an office boy that she can barely see uh, because of her st- astigmatism. Yichud applies. Yichud is a, is a takana that we don't mess around with. The rabbis knew that if we started coming up with, well, I'm not really interested, well, there's nothing that could happen here, then the whole law would be thrown out. Right, because the there would be gray areas. So basically, so they Yichud made a has no, I think we have, again, Yichud has no gray areas. Since it has no gray areas, we can't start coming up with rationales. And therefore, men and women that are, are part of a Jewish workforce don't realize it, but they're actually being over on the laws of Yichud. I'm sh- in fact, I'm sure there's a lot of Orthodox people out there that are in workplaces right now, and they believe that they are functioning 100% in an Orthodox manner, and yet they're probably violating the laws of Yichud, even something that people don't even think of, perhaps even seeing a therapist in a closed room. And, and every situation is really different. But the laws of Yichud are there, and as we said, they, they are probably in many times being violated. I, I think this can be explained basically, just to give some background. We know that there is an Isser, one is not allowed to touch a member of the opposite sex that um, one is not married to or closely related to. But the rule is that the this touching or any kind of association is only usher um bedera chiba. Right. Well it's based on the Pasik in, in the Torah that says, Well sikravilagalos ervata that don't become close to a person that could lead to a relationship. Which Obviously, therefore th- says that when a um clerk at a store hands you um change that the change, change falling into your hands is not called derechiba, um, and therefore that association is allowed. Definitely, but I think oh, in I, the case of handshaking. Well, what second come? We have to, of course, say that relig- if, if a religious Jew tries to distance themselves from any contact, we have to say kadosh yomerlo. The person is probably acting in accordance to what the will of God well, should actually, be. Actually, I think that in the case of handshake, it's quite possible there are. 10 million ways to get out of it. And I, I think that if one gets himself accustomed to it, and even in situations where you get stuck, and if you're able to communicate well with the other person, I think um, even though technically you could say he didn't do anything wrong, there, but there's always a way out. As usual, Common, the wealth of ideas coming forth from you is sort of like stymied me from understanding what your direct point is. Are you saying that if you would have been that real estate agent, you would have prefaced your relationship with the company in a way that you could have gotten away with not shaking your hand in a more tolerable manner? I think that it was definitely possible, and every situation is possible, to not only make that person not feel bad or feel uh, hurt or insulted, but you can even um, make that person feel good about um, the association with a religious person, someone who's um, holy and, and I, therefore I, I, has I don't think ways. if you're trying to buy or sell a house that you want to know too much about the person. Other I don't think than, you need to. It's just that um, if, if you I, I, present I, it in a way that, that the pers- person would find acceptable, I think that, I think per- that not only won't there be a negative but that person will respect you. Not everyone has the skill and the ability to explain themselves. I think that that fellow might have felt, might have had the halachic ability to shake this lady's hand because she clearly, he misread her. She was insulted. 
And if you're not shaking the person's hand in order to get close to them, but you just don't want them to hate you, or you're doing it merely because it's the formal way a deal is finished, the way all business deals are finished is through a handshake, then this handshake is really meaningless. It really doesn't well, mean Well, this person touching. should definitely not have shaken this woman's hand because um, it, it, it could be and it probably is that he felt that that would be inappropriate for him maybe because he is not as pure as some other people might think they are and therefore they think they're but separate you all, from second, this problem. You always have to be aware of what your actions are sending messages to others. We know, and again, this is not But Germany. again, it, we're this talking about Abizrayu da Arayas here. Oh, okay. We're talking about um, um, a person who feels that this will hurt him in a religious way um, – He's supposed to give his life for it in some situations okay. and therefore insulting I, I, that person. I, I, I don't deny that the person felt very intense about it. But again, you're saying that he should have had the smarts to explain himself better. I, I'm saying that maybe he should have had the smarts to realize, hey, certain situations, this is what you do. We know that Rav Shamshan of Hirsch, Seyich who saved orthodoxy in Germany, we know that in his community in Frankfurt – that it was common for men and women to greet each other on the Sabbath, on Shabbos, with a handshake. And in fact, when Rizal Salanter, the great founder of the Muslim movement and one of the great geniuses of the 19th century, came to Frankfurt and saw Hirsch's community, at first he was a little bit shocked when he saw men and women greeting each other on Shabbos, but that he understood this is the way it's done here. I'm not saying that this is Frankfurt, Germany. Uh, of a hundred and some odd years ago. This whole discussion about our, our anonymous friend, I think, underscores the complexity and the difficulty of this problem. And I think that we're going to have to come back for answers, and we'll be going weiter after these messages. We're back. We are discussing the issues that come up at workplace. And the, as we uh, left off, we were discussing really the issue of um, yichud and handshaking and the other um, issues that come up in the workplace. Actually, common. I think what we were discussing is it's time to get to the solutions to alternatives to the workplace. And that's what we try to do in this show. We try to uh, come up with some alternatives, and hopefully there are people out there that are hearing them, and, and maybe they can act upon them, and it can inspire them to, to move somewhere. And uh, if you do have any comments or ideas, send it to chavrusa at torahradio.net. And we will read your comments, and of course we'll respond to them and perhaps use them as the basis of a future show. One of the ideas which I think uh, perhaps needs to be addressed is to create a kosher workforce. A, and this can't be done merely by one employer who has a grand idea. I think we need the whole community involved. We're very aware of community charities. We're very aware of community schools. I think a workplace, especially one that offers employment in a dignified fashion, to members of the community is as important as any of these mostot of tzedakah because it allows a person to actually contribute and to grow. 
Are and you saying that the entire community should work in one big office building? No. I don't, obviously, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is what we need is more backing of the Jewish entrepreneurs who have good ideas, who have businesses that are functioning, doing positive things, and convincing them that it's to their advantage to hire religious people. The point is, is that we know that when people are working to their potential, the businesses will thrive. Now, they might not thrive with the eye on the prize type of mentality that they've had before, but what it means is, is that the community, there are places, there are oases where the Many people who have these quandaries that we talked about earlier can find employment. No common. Of course, I realize that not every religious Jew wanting to be in the workforce could work in one of these places. I think but anyway, we need your more, solution but we is need, very... We need more of these places. There are some of them around here in the Midwest and in New York. We need to go learn what that model is, and it needs to be exported. And it needs to be done under the auspices of the rabbis. The rabbis have to be there checking it to make sure that there aren't any yichud issues and that the community is being served. And the same way there could even be stipends and ways that the community can actually give to actually maybe even buy shares in this company in, in its success. I still I, think this is a very small-scale solution because... Um, you cannot have a community of um, a thousand families and ha he should have place for a thousand people. And if another person enters the community, you open up a new job. I don't think that's really a, a solution that's really possible. What it does say is that for a certain amount of hundred people... I don't know. I th um, they could have this possibility, but you wouldn't really solve the problem of people who are working in the big buildings downtown that this um, entrepreneur does not really have the great hand in. Well, again, if one does it, then he sees the community support. And he also sees, besides the money that he's getting, he sees the, he gets the nachas ruach of helping people. A number of them will pop up. And when these pop up, I think you take 10 of these companies that's already enough to employ 400, Now, of 500. course, you would be asking him to sacrifice um, he, because he would probably be able to make more by hiring more capable people. Common, you know, at the risk of sounding over-religious here, I will say that the bracha will come beyond Hashem. HaKadosh Baruch Hu will see these type of things, and I think the bracha will be there. We know Chazal tell us that if you give a person uh, tzedakah, Aser b'shvil asher. That if you give money, you that is a key for wealth. That sounds way too futuristic, like something out of uh, Isaac Asimov. I mean, you're asking for a globe with just one big office building. I don't think you can have 400 hats and jackets walking around in a, a building, working together and doing everything that needs to be done. I, I think that's just too far off to consider that a solution for now. A happy worker, a person who doesn't have the stress of his job, and of course, will contribute. That, These I, people are going to be happy religiously and they will contribute mightily. But I think that right now you're basing this whole idea on um, one or two or three people in the community. I think there need, we need to find solutions that are for the people who are at work now, who have jobs now. What can they do to... Um, help them okay, deal common. with these Spin issues. Spin your magic. Let's hear your solution. Okay. I think that the major cause of all these problems is the lack of education and training that the religious people get um, on how to deal 
with people outside of their um, community. I think that when a religious person confronts for the first time at work a non-religious environment or a non-Jewish environment, he sort of climbs into this hole and thinks that the outside world is not good for me, I need to separate from these people, and he sort of makes people feel like he doesn't want them, he doesn't like them, Common, I'm better than you, second. I'm more holy than to, you. To, to quote you from a previous show, whoa, whoa, whoa. Do you believe that the person who's in the workforce, he's to blame because he's giving off bad vibes to his co-workers? And... I think so, because he's the one who's giving off the bad vibes. One who is H- about we, to enter... We, haven't we already said, I mean, you said it yourself, 2,000 years of prejudice, and we talked about the way that the America, although it's been a great country, there's still this anti-behavior towards a person seemingly acting like he's I'm better than someone. I'm sorry to say, but the African Americans do not suffer as much discrimination in this form, as do religious Jews. I think that the fact that the religious people are separated, the I think the African Americans have not suffered as much discrimination in the past 10 years as much as the religious Jews because the African Americans are brought up and they are together with the um, Caucasian Americans. The religious Jews are kept separate, and for good reason they're kept separate as children, and as they grow up they are separate. And now that they enter this, this becomes a shock, and they are unaware and incapable of handling situations. I think that that person, when that uh, that hand was put out by this woman during this deal, um, 80 things went off in his head instead of instinctively knowing what to do. Uh, I, I think what you're saying, Kalman, is is that we have to perhaps educate, especially those that are going through career changes, the ones that have perhaps been working in a sheltered environment and now in some midlife have to go into the greater workforce. It's You're right. They need to be counseled. They need counselors to explain to them what it's going to be like. And I think if those people got better then the people who are capable, would everything would just flow in. I, I mean, but it's, I, I, but I, I could I say still, in you... common psychology, it is known that when a person um, gives off this aura of respect and honor, when you meet this um, very special person who comes off as holy, no one would ever put out their hand to shake that person's hand because you're not aware, you're not sure whether or not that is correct. How is how is the what's the right way to handle well, the situation? Well, I, I think that you do want to give off a sense that you have a higher calling. Did you have a calling of of, of being a religious man? I think you or can woman? do that in a way where that those people should respect you rather than um, disrespect you, you for it or being intimidated by you. Clearly, I, I, mean, I, I would have said that the obvious solution would be to go Japanese. Of course, we know the Japanese just bow down to each other. And that would be a really great thing to instill in the Americas. But we know, of course, that yes, that Yes, I think work. that sounds a lot more uh, – that sounds very practical to, to just – bring a, a whole wave of Nipponism into to the United States. But I, I, I really think that if you'll notice that the when a Japanese bows down to you, no one gets insulted for not being um, shaken but by the real, hand. Right, but as much as we are the other, we look like uh, our counterparts here in the Gentile world. We just perhaps have our hair grown a little bit different and we perhaps wear a little different type of clothing. I really I, think, I think that what any tr- religious Jew who would walk into a workplace and come off as wise and learned and be nice to people and compliment them, I don't think anything he does 
will cause them to feel. I mean, if they're anti-Semitic, they're anti-Semitic yeah. then they're anti-Semitic. What you're asking but, is 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 immense. I agree that, and this, before the psychologists that you mentioned say, we know the psukim in, in Mishle, Kemaim, Ponim, Oponim, we know the way you give yourself out towards the community is the way they'll react to you. But remember, most... Meaning that if you feel that these people are lower than me, then they will see that you feel Well, that. most people, most religious people have a struggle with this. Most religious people are very firmly, con- have very firm convictions have to struggle with how they're going to relate to people that aren't as religious as them. In fact, the basic mitzvah in the Torah of that you, if even between Jew and Jew, the Torah tells us clearly, you might want to tell your fellow Jew to change his mode of behavior, but don't do it just because you can't stand the fact that a sin was committed in your presence. I think many of the people, and I agree with you, and many of the people going into the workforce, they are assaulted by this behavior. And what the only thing they can do and is firm up their own resolution to say, yes, well, I am religious. I can't let this happen to me. And you're asking them to be almost like a saint. You're asking them almost to, to, to understand that. Part of these people are kicking themselves in the head that they have to be in this workforce in the first place. And therefore, well, they are... Well, they've got to deal with it once they're here. I don't think that's well. I don't really so, well, want to well, be here. So therefore, I'm just going to sit in my corner and do my job well, we and need- cause... Um, problems to just um, fall all around him. I, we need intense. What you're asking for, it needs intense training, intense well, counseling. I think that, um, and in I, many I, of these ways, I all don't think, religious Jews are not trained in this way. I think there is a great lack of psychological training throughout the um, religious education system. And what you're asking and, to me sounds as uh, far fetched as anything that I've said. What you're asking for is. That anyone, man and woman, who's joining the workforce have to realize uh, their sense of who they are. They have to have that equanimity. And even though they're going to be confronted. Myself, I think of myself as a somewhat intelligent religious Jew. And yes, Kalman, it sometimes does come through that you see yourself as an intelligent uh, person. I'm not sure whether that was a compliment, but uh, taken. I see situations and how to handle them and how to work them out, and I don't understand how people who have gotten the same education as me could just be stuck in these situations and not know how Calman, to handle this them. Is one of the, I think there this needs is one of the to disadvantages. be more common sense. This like is one say, of the disadvantages. Common of being, sense okay, is not so common anymore. Common, this is one of the disadvantages of being young and not understanding what's going on in the society. Most people, even if you're telling them something as clear as the nose on their face, will have a hard time accepting it unless they've had many months of training. Uh, Do do we as a people need to do a better job in our own identity and especially when to promoting that identity outward? Yes, of course we do. If we're going to send people out to the workforce, they need to be prepared. They need to be able to make a Kiddush Hashem. They need to um, sanctify God's name and not desecrate God's name by acting inappropriately towards their fellow Jews. Come not to downplay your extensive empirical investigation of this matter. What was most, that again? Yeah. Well, Kalman, as Vesuvius spews, so too most people will feel that this volcanic condemnation of most of the Jews, religious Jews in the workplace is totally unfounded. 
I agree with you. We have to do a better job in counseling and training them. But I think we have to look at a case-by-case basis. There are probably a lot of employers that they are the guilty ones and that the, the non-Jews or the irreligious Jews that we spoke about earlier, perhaps there's nothing that uh, we, the religious public, is able to do to ameliorate the feeling that we are coming off better. I just, I think I th- this is, I, I, I think, think what we you, already touched on that, that if the person is anti-Semitic and is looking for a fight, there's not, nothing you're no, going to do. No, it's not anti, it's not anti-Semitism. It's the, it's innate in the human condition. We all look at the other person and think that person is either threatening us or that person thinks he's better than us. It has nothing to do with being if overtly anti-Semitic. If one could show that it's not like that by making that person have respect for you, I think I don't. I don't, deserve, I don't disagree with you that, that we should work on Musser and Midos and training. But I think what you're talking about really is, is something that you, you expect people that are saints to be able to be able to pull that off. Well, Kalman, I hope that the employers and the employees, religious, irreligious, Jew and Gentile, are all listening tonight as we try somehow to save the workplace world. But as that beautiful flamenco guitar starts strumming, it seems like our time is lapsing for tonight. He is Rabbi Kalman Warch. And Kalman, I don't know if your boss is going to let you, but I think you should stick around because I have some things I need to discuss with you. We'll work it out. The Chavrusa features Rabbi Avram Kivalevich and Rabbi Kalman Warch and is directed by Jeff Osias.